right, praise the Lord. Just to give you an idea of the structure of that uh, Bible study, uh, somebody hit the lights back there. For years, um, we have uh, sat through um, almost like uh, lectures on Bible studies. How many have been through a lot of those on a midweek service? And uh, those are great, um, but this one is much more participatory. So um, he, he will talk for about 10 minutes and he'll do it on location, you know, where it actually happened. You know, when Jesus, for instance, was being baptized. And then we'll have a long period. There'll be more time discussing uh, what we've just learned from the Bible, which uh, allows everybody to kind of be involved. And I think that really captures what uh, God wanted with the church. He wanted that kind of fellowship where you can ask questions Uh, You can share your heart where everybody, Paul said, brings something to the study. And uh, so it's about a 10, maybe 12 minute video. We've been doing it in men's ministry for quite a while. And and I feel like it really opens up a lot of good fellowship. And from that, we hope to um, start branching off into other small groups. We'd like to have a uh, go and start building our youth group shortly after that. And uh, we've got a couple of youth pastors that have been around for a long time. Uh, that would like to start building a youth group. And uh, and then we, we're going to hopefully branch off into the children and, and some other groups in there. So uh, very excited about it. Give it a um, give it a try. Invite some friends. Uh, going to be lots of food there, lots of fellowship. So I'm um, really looking forward to this. Uh, anybody remember the date? August 2nd. Very good. Hallelujah. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 8, and just to kind of repeat what Eddie said before I get into the Word, um, something, I've talked to a lot of pastors, and something happened during COVID. Um, People aren't as active in church as far as coming to the altar and worshiping, and how many have noticed that? People are a little standoffish still, and I can't really put my finger on it. And um, But one of the things that God has called us to do is to pray for one another. And uh, have you ever been through a week where you felt like you were just drained and you felt like you had a lot of things weighing on you, a lot of burdens, a lot of struggles, a lot of things, and you just said, man, I want to go to church, I want to worship, but I would love to be prayed for. And uh, so we uh, have just been doing a lot of praying about that and uh one of the things that I think has greatly affected the church is everybody went live with everything. And uh, how many know that takes a little bit away from the intimacy of worshiping the Lord if you think you're on camera? So just so you know, so you're not confused, the uh, in-house monitors will have the service playing in the cafe so people can participate in the cafe, they can participate uh, in the mother's room, the nursery, they can watch the service. But as far as live streaming, it will only be the announcements and the message. Uh, when altar call comes, that thing's turned off again. And so there will be no internet live feed while we're doing worship. And uh, so that way, how many think that's a whole lot better to worship and to be more intimate with the Lord, not worrying about that camera and you see them around the room here. And so just so you know, they're very disciplined on that. So we'll be very careful to make sure that's the case. Amen. Hallelujah. First Timothy 4, 8 says this. It says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let me read the NIV translation of that. It says, for physical training. How many know what Paul's talking about here? Physical training, exercise, right? It says, is of some value. So Paul is acknowledging it is a good thing, right? But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I like the Berean standard. It says, for physical exercise is of limited value. But godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise for the present life and for the one to come. So do you see how he's comparing physical exercise, uh, obviously, with some type of spiritual exercise? 
And he's saying the physical exercise has great value. He said, but this other kind of exercise, spiritual, has much greater value. It helps you in everything. And only not only does it help you in everything in this life, he says, but also in the life to come. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, spiritual exercise. title of my sermon is Exercising Your Faith. Exercising Your Faith. Don't you wish we had one of those uh, videos you can kind of put on a DVD and just, you know, exercise into the oldies your faith, right? So we're going to figure out how to do it. It's not, the, not as easy as that, right? Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we love you, and uh, we just ask that you speak to us today, Lord. Lord, we come with our hearts open, Lord God, and hungry for you, Lord. Lord, we want you to speak into our lives like a loving father. Lord, teach us your ways, Lord God. We know our ways, we know our ideas, we know our mind, Lord God, but today we want to know your mind. And we ask that you help us, Lord, to receive it. And apply it in our life, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. So exercising your faith. In the world that we live in, we are in a world of good and evil. Right? There's a battle. The Bible says between good and evil. There's a battle that we face every day. And every day we have a choice, the Bible says, To operate in the flesh or to operate in the spirit. We have the weapons of the flesh. We have the weapons of the spirit. We spiritually have an ability to do one or the other. We can either flex our physical strength to accomplish everything that's in front of us in life, and when I say physical, I mean our mental abilities, our physical abilities. Um, how many have ever used your ability to worry about things at night? Like it's out of my control, but I'm going to use my strength to figure this out. And so when I say physical or carnal, that's just simply saying I'm using everything that I've been given physically my mind, my body, my strength, everything, to accomplish what is put in front of me in life. And so that's what I'm calling flexing your physical might, your muscle. And so every time something happens in life, that's what you flex. And so you're saying to yourself, I'm getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And you may wake up at the first day of every year and say, I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to be stronger this year. I'm going to handle life better this year. Life's going to, life's going to be so much better because I'm so mentally strong. I'm so physically strong. I've read this book on the shelf. And how many know there's a hundred books on the shelf about how you can accomplish life and you can succeed and you can do well. And here's what the Bible says from the front page to the back, you can't do it. You cannot accomplish life without God. And many have tried and everyone has failed because something's going to happen at the end of your life where if you don't have God, you're lost for eternity. And so God has to put you on a track Where at some point in your life, you have to cry out and say, God, I need you. And everybody's been given a limited amount of life to do that. To cry out. God in his mercy, when man sinned in the garden, God said, I'm going to give them a gift and it's called life. And you've got, you've got a moment in time, eternity's forever, but I'm going to give them the mercy of saying you've got a whole lifetime to reach out for me and grab hold. He's putting his hand out and he's saying you've got one chance, this life that I gave you to reach out and say, I need you. I have to have you. And so life is that. Life is saying, 
Do I need God or do I not need God? Will I go to the very end saying I don't need him? Or will at some point I reach out, grab his hand, and then the rest of my life strengthen the grip? And so this message is about not flexing physical muscle all the time to get strong because it does help a little. He says it has profit to it. You know, even physical exercise is going to have great benefit. How many know that a lot of people will go through the pain of physical exercise? Let's just say it, torment. (laughs) Sore muscles, you know, breathing heavy, trying to get that cardio, right? Resistance, resistance, just think about that word. These weights are resisting me. These bands are resisting me. Think how hard we will work for that resistance. That cardio, out of breath, I can't breathe, but i got to keep going. And we go through the torment and the pain because it has good benefits. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, man, your blood pressure is lower. Your cholesterol looks good. You know... You're, you're, everything's looking better. And so you know that it has advantage, in fact, great advantage. Some people say it's the most important thing in life. But God here is saying there's something that's more important. Spiritual exercise, exercising your faith. And he says it has value not only in this world and everything you do, but then the world to come, it's going to still be paying benefits. Because you grabbed a hold of him and you need him and you have him. And so as we go through this, Paul is giving this advice and he's trying to tell us there's a way to spiritually exercise. And there's a way to to use this example of physical exercise to understand what is the physical exercise. And... If the physical is that important, then the Bible says the spiritual is more important, then I better figure out how to spiritually exercise my faith. And the good news is it's built in to the Christian life. It's built into everybody's life, not even just the Christian. Life is built to exercise your faith. What if I told you that God's mind is not the same as our mind. You say, well, man, God's goals in my life probably are the same as mine. He wants me to have a fancy car. Wants me to have the best job. Wants me to have all the blessings. And yes, God wants to bless you and take care of your needs, for sure. God's a loving Father who wants to take care of you. But what if God's most important thing is your precious faith. What if the faith part of it is more important than anything to him? And that he wants to make sure by the end of your life, you have him. And you need him and you hold on to him. And he's the most important thing like you were talking about last week. Keevan, it's like that person who is shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean. They've only got one flotation device, maybe a part of the wreckage, and they're just holding on to dear life, and that's the most precious thing they have, and that's what our salvation is. That's what our faith is in Christ. And the tighter we hold on to that, and the better the grip is, the better chance that we have of surviving into the next world. Hallelujah. And so the faith to God... His mind is the faith is the most important thing. And I'm going to show you in a minute how God uses that uh, through one of the stories of Jesus and his disciples. But there's an old saying that says you'll find for every 100 person who survives adversity, you'll find one person who survives prosperity. (laughs) I don't know if that can be factually proven. Let me think that's probably true. You find a hundred people that will survive adversity for every one person that survives prosperity. (laughs) But what do we want? 
We want prosperity. And God says, I've got to teach you how important your faith is. Faith is more important than anything, even prosperity. And so as we look at God's training program of exerting our spiritual muscle, I want to take you to Mark chapter 4. And I just want you to try to understand the mind of Christ through this story. It says, and Jesus had just called his disciples. He called them to a mountainside. He had done several miracles. In fact, he had done such amazing miracles. He had healed a withered hand on Sabbath. Um, he'd done so many miracles that people came from everywhere, all around the area to come see him. He'd just called his disciples, took them to a mountainside and selected them, personally selected them to be his disciples. So this is a great example of what we are as his disciples. And as his disciples, we want to follow him no matter what happens in life. But here's the fact. The whole purpose of our existence, whether we're a Christian or not a Christian, this whole life is set up that you need God. You say, well, why are there hurricanes? Why are there fires? Why are there unexpected? Why is there death? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is life so hard? Why is life so difficult? Somebody who's young and naive says, life's easy. But how many have learned... That it's not. It's hard. And some people will say to themselves, well, Chad, I can handle everything without God. And some will say that, and they'll turn to other things. They'll turn to anxiety. Well, the anxiety is too much. Give me a prescription. And so we have a prescription drug problem in this country. Then they'll turn to alcohol and they'll medicate it with alcohol, some people. How many know that I'm telling the truth here? I don't need God, but then they'll turn to alcohol. And alcohol, drugs, anxiety, some, uh, and you just begin to see the cracks in a person. How many have ever seen that in life? And you just start to crack and you start to break and you start to realize that I'm not made to handle this. And then one says, well, I am. And then they lose somebody close to them. And then life doesn't make sense. And then life is confusing. And then life is frustrating. Why did that family member not act like I thought they would? Why did that person that I love die so young? Why did that little child lose its life? Why did this person treat me that way? Why did this happen? How many have ever asked those questions? Why? 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 Confusion, anger, bitterness. And then we still say sometimes, I can handle life. I can handle life. I can handle life. And all life is set up to do for every human being on this earth is to say, I need you, God. What if God set it up that way? I believe He did. I believe in His sovereignty, His mercy. He wanted us to cry out to Him before our life is expired. Before we have nothing left to give back to Him. He's saying, cry out to me. And you say, well, Chad, we can figure out world peace. We can figure out world hunger. We can figure out all the problems we have. Science. Can I give you a newsflash here? We're as scientifically advanced as we've ever been in society. And we we still haven't figured out sin. We still haven't figured out addiction. We still haven't figured out attitudes. You go, well, we're going to figure it out. We got AI. Do you understand that we're worse now than we were before and we're smarter than we've ever been? And so the whole world, no matter what state this world in, it's, it, it's made to cry out to God. It's made to need God. It's made to need what He has we need and we can't replace it. And so here's the story in Mark 4 and I want you to put yourself 
in the mind of Christ, okay? It says, on that day, this is verse 35 of chapter 4 of Mark. It says, on that day when evening came, he said to them, okay, it's evening. It's getting dark, right? This is a time you don't want to probably be in the boat. All right, you want to kind of be going in, settling in. Well, Jesus is the God of everything. He's the Lord of everything. He's the Lord over the weather. He's the Lord over the earth. He's Lord over the heavens. He's Lord over everything. Now, he didn't have the Channel 14 app, I know. But I think he knew where they were going and what was about to happen. He just made him his disciples, showed him many miracles, taught him about faith. But how many know in the lab... You can teach about faith, you can learn about faith, you can read the Bible about faith, but at some point, faith's got to be put into action. You got to flex faith, you got to have resistance on faith, or it doesn't get bigger, it doesn't get stronger, it doesn't grow, and it's not being exercised. You just know about it, right? So he goes as says, on that day, evening came, he said to them, Hey, he didn't say hey, but he said, Let's go over to the other side. Who is telling them to launch the boat? Jesus, let's go to the other side. Seems innocent enough. This is the Sea of Galilee. And, and, you know, I actually went on the Sea of Galilee and a storm hit. And they were very clear to clarify, they're very much clarified. Sea of Galilee is known for sudden storms that can be really bad. Ours wasn't terrible, but it was a lot of rain, a lot of waves, a lot of wind, and it was the middle of the day. It was noon. This is evening. Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along in the boat, with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much the boat was already filling up. If you have a boat filling up with water, how many know that is an extreme storm. And these are men who had been in fishing industry their entire life. So they know what storms on that sea are like. And Jesus told them to go in the boat. (laughs) Who are you going to (laughs) blame? Right? Jesus himself was in the stern. Now the stern is the back of the boat. He was asleep on a cushion. Some of your versions will say pillow. So Jesus is in the back of the boat. We don't know if he's upper deck, lower deck, but he's on the back of the boat sleeping in a storm with a boat that is filling up with water and breaking apart. That's hard to do, I think. I don't know if he was a heavy sleeper or he was doing one of those with the one eye peeking out, you know. I don't know. He's asleep on the cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? That we are perishing. In other words, don't you care that we're dying? They were experienced fishermen and they said they were dying. And the boat is filling up with water. Don't underestimate this story, okay? Very serious situation. And he's sleeping on a pillow. All right? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush. Boy, how do you like that? Got up off of his pillow, said, hush. That's all he said. Be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. He said to them, I love his questions. Why are you afraid? Do you still have what? You still have no faith? You see that he tried to get them to flex? He put the two and a half pounders on there. Everybody ever seen the two and a half pounders? The little tiny ones? The little two and a half pounders? They were trying to lift and they just weren't spiritually strong enough. They were the uh, five pound weaklings. They just didn't have any spiritual strength that lifted. it. He said, you still have no faith. He didn't say you have little faith. He said, you have none. <laughs> This is very early in their ministry, and he continually tests them like this. 
He said they became very much afraid and said to one another. Now see, they're still afraid. He calmed the water, they're still afraid. They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? So I want to apply this to current disciples because it's an example of the kind of testing that God does for His disciples. Would everybody agree? This is the testing that God does for His disciples. So since we are His disciples... In fact, I would submit to you that everybody in the world goes through this testing, but some have faith and some have no faith. Some have no faith, some have faith. But God's, Jesus was continually, this is the mind of Christ, He was continually probing to see if they had faith and was always trying to get them to exercise the faith. Because if your faith gets stronger, what's going to happen? You're going to build endurance, you're going to build stamina, you're going to build strength and you're going to hold on to faith till the end. If you don't have strength, you can't hold on to it till the end. And so the faith becomes the most important thing to God, not the prosperity. Does God want to bless you? Yes. But God would rather you had strong faith. Somebody said, don't preach that. God wants you to have strong faith because he wants us to be with him for eternity. He wants us to grow and be strong in our faith and to exercise it. So let's look at the steps here and see if they sound familiar. See if we've been through this. You say, well, I've never been on the ocean, never had a boat crack apart like that. The first step, Jesus intentionally drives you into the storm. Hmm. Not my Jesus. But that, that Jesus, I don't know if that one's yours. But if you read the Bible and that's the Jesus you serve, he said, let's go. <laughs> and if he had power that the weather would obey him, then I think he knew a storm was coming. And like I said, he didn't even have the 14 weather app or the radar. But how many know if, he, if they obeyed him, the weather, and they were scared because the weather obeyed him, I mean, no, he knew the storm was coming. So I want you to picture you're his disciple and he's driving you straight into the storm. Now, I've actually had this experience. (laughs) I got a storm came suddenly on Kentucky Lake and I had a flat bottom aluminum bass tracker 20 years ago. And it had a defect in the bilge pump. And so when I turned it on, it wouldn't pump out. And so it ended up sinking uh, next to a bank and nobody would go in the storm except one hillbilly in Kentucky and we drove straight into the storm. It's kind of scary. I mean, I could see the wind, the lightning and everything and he was going, hee-haw! The only guy that would go out to help me get this boat that was under the water. You know, every town has one of those guys. I said, well, anybody go out there and help me get it before I lose it. And they said, there's one guy and it was him and I was with him. But how many know Jesus drives right into the storm? And so this is an example to us about life. Life, like I said, is designed. You can't avoid it. You can't go around it. You can't miss it. You say, well, man, I'm going to avoid it because when I drink, I don't, I don't uh, feel it anymore. I feel numb to it. But you know, when you're sober, it's back again. You know, when I escape through drugs, I don't feel it anymore. But how many know you didn't go around it, we just still got to go through it? You know, we still have money issues. We still have relationship issues. We still have things in life. You know, that person's still not coming back. Amen? Life is hard, but life was designed to need God in our life. God did not design you to handle things through alcohol, drugs, anxiety, your own strength. God designed it for you to flex your faith. So God intentionally takes them in the storm and you say, well, what's the storm look like? Sometimes it's a medical diagnosis. Sometimes it's somebody in Job's case, it was 10 children dying. 10. 
And you say, well, man, if I'm not a Christian, it's not going to happen. No, it's going to happen still. Question is, how do we face the storms of life? And what God wants us to do is exercise our faith. It's hard. I know it's hard. And the thing is, this was something they were good at. There's some things in life we're not good at. But how many know this was their area of expertise? (laughs) God gave him a simple one because they know this one. And how many know Jesus intentionally fell asleep? He intentionally allowed them to go to the center of the storm and he intentionally fell asleep. You can't tell me he didn't do that on purpose. Oh boy, I'm tired. How many How many were in a root cellar last night or a basement? I was. I took my family down. We had heavy winds. It was going, blowing over and you know, night before, lots of trees went down. Now another night of it. How many can remember sitting in a place like that and peeking up and just seeing the vulnerability? You're vulnerable. Everything around you, you got, you're looking for one safe place. You're saying, man, there's got to be one safe place I can sit. And this is where he takes you and falls asleep. When you can't find anywhere safe. In fact, I was looking through my root cellar and I was trying to examine. I was like, well, what if a tree goes down? Is there a way to crawl out of this root cellar? And, you know, how many have ever done that? You're trying to, in your own strength, say, what in the world can I do to survive this? You know, and how you know there are times in life where it's like that. You're trying to figure out how do I survive this? Where do I go? Where do I run? What do I do? And we run to all kinds of things. Sometimes we think money can buy our way out of it. Sometimes we think a career can make us happy enough to that'll satisfy us and that'll help us and that'll be the right. I get married. If I have kids, if I have a career, if I have all all these things we put there, we try to run into that. We say, this will do it. But there comes a point where you're so vulnerable, you realize there's nowhere I can run. And there's only one fitting place that you can run and that's God. Say, God, you know, even if I'm gone, my life is brighter because tomorrow I'll be with you. And hope starts to flood in. And and all that stuff in this world that God has power over starts drifting away. And you run to God and you say, man, that was the only safe place I had. Put my faith in God. He is my refuge, like David said. He is my hiding place. And so... What happens is he puts you out in the middle of the storm, the eye, and he goes silent. But God, I trusted you. Trusted you. How many have ever felt that alienation? I trusted you, God. How dare you do this to me? I trusted you. I trusted you and you abandoned me. You said you would never forsake me. You said you would never leave me. But here he is in the back of the boat, in the middle of the storm, sleeping on a nice little pillow. And it's intentional. How many know if God came running every time you got in trouble, like a lifeguard, let me know your faith would not grow. Faith would not grow. So the Bible says that after you've been through tribulations, he will come and comfort you and strengthen you and encourage you. But here is a Jesus that will allow you to go in the middle of the storm and will fall asleep. And he didn't just fall asleep. He actually slept for quite a while. Because these guys were experienced, they had their own strength, and so do we. So what do we do? I'm going to think of a plan. I'm going to devise a scheme. I'm going to devise a way. I'm in my own strength going to solve this problem. Right? And so it says they were doing everything they could think of. The boat was filling with water. They were about to perish. And then they yelled at Jesus. Don't you even care that we're dying? 
Boy, I've sure been there. I'm probably the only one. How many have ever yelled at God and said, don't you even care? Don't you care about me? And all of our questions are never about faith. That's Jesus' question. How come you don't have any faith? But our questions are, why did you let the boat break? Why did you let it get destroyed? Don't you even care that we're dying? And they're blaming God for being unloving, uncaring. And Jesus is very clearly saying, this is all about faith. And so he lets them go to the brink of destruction. That's what it means. Why don't you care? Why are you letting me perish? And so this is what he does. I'm just telling you his pattern. I, I, I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying, I'm, but I'm saying it's the best thing for you. He brings you on the brink. That's step three. Step, step one is, I'm going to take you in the middle of the storm. Okay? He's already done miracles, had nice teachings, told them about faith, told them about trusting in God, told them about eternal life. But now I've got to help you flex that muscle. So I'm going to drive you in the middle of the storm. I'm going to fall asleep when you're in the middle of it. I'm going to let it get to the brink of destruction. And then finally, they get a hold of God. He's on the boat. He's present. They finally get him awake. He goes, oh, shh, be still. And all of nature, all of heaven, all of earth, everything in this world bows to him. And everything stops. You say, well, what does that mean? That means the only solution I have in a storm is to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And so when you've been through something a few times, you say, well, man, I went through something really hard. And I went through it and now I'm on the other side and then here it comes again. I went through this, I was a little better the second time, the third time I was a little better. These guys are learning how to have faith through difficult circumstances. I mean really difficult circumstances, things that you don't have answers for. In fact, Job, we were talking yesterday in our study, Job, the very first chapter he loses ten children. Loses all of his wealth, the raiders came and took a lot of his Wealth, lost ten children in chapter one. Says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. He has a good frame about him. But how many knows you're, you're stronger at the funerals? And then gradually, by chapter two and then early in chapter three, he starts saying, I wish I was never born. And then he carries that question with him for 37 chapters. That weight of God, you won't answer my question. Why did you take him? Why did you take him? And he's just carrying heavy weight with him. Questions, questions, questions. And it says that everything that Job feared and dreaded came upon him. And he wanted, just wanted to know as a father, I think, why? How? And how many know when the storm is destroying you, that's all you want to know? Why? How? Please tell me. Lord, help me understand. But how many know faith is not having the answer to every question? In fact, if we had the answer to every question about why your child is not serving God, why your child did this or that, why your parents did this or that, why this person that your neighbor did this or that, why the fire did this, why the hurricane did that, why did the tornado do this? How many know God's ways are higher than ours? We wouldn't even understand it if he told us. And so God demands trust. He wants us to trust him through everything in life. That's why it says exercising your spiritual faith helps you in all areas in this world and the world to come. Because if I trust God with everything, Job goes into chapter 38 and he's getting more and more aggressive with God. Which I love the fact that God lets him do that. And he says, God, you're going to answer my question. 
You're going to sit down and answer my question, God. And he's being very aggressive, wanting God to answer the questions of why this happened in my life. Why did you make me go through this? And God says, sit down. We're going to wrestle like a man wrestles a man. You want to hear the answer to your questions, Job? And he sits down for four chapters. In chapter 38 to 42, he sits down and he begins to tell Job, you answer my questions, big boy. He didn't say big boy. But basically, he said, sit down and wrestle with me like a man. And he says, where were you when I was on the bottom of the ocean, taking care of everything in the deep ocean? Where were you when I created the heaven and the earth? Where were you when I called the stars into existence? Where were you? And he begins for four chapters. And some of those questions he asked, we still don't understand scientifically. Some we began to understand thousands of years later. But it was such complicated questions, Job had no answers. And finally God said, what was your question? And Job repented. And he said, I don't have any questions. Your ways are higher than my ways. I trust you. And how many know that God wants to get us to the point where we just trust him? In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the hardest things in life, you don't need alcohol, you don't need drugs, you don't need to sit up all night and worry about it, you don't need to worry about the next day. All you have to do is say, God, I'm going to exercise my faith here. I'm going to trust you. You say, well, Chad, I got a better way. I got a better way. You know, sometimes it can feel more comfortable to be depressed. Sometimes it can be more comfortable to think we have a solution. Sometimes it can be more comfortable to stay where we're at. But how many of you know God wants us to just get up and trust Him? To say, Lord, I give you my yesterday. And Lord, I trust you with my future. And no matter what happens in this life, I know very soon I'm going to be with you. You're going to dry every tear. You're going to answer every question. And all God wants is that faith to be strong. And that's why Jesus was always putting them in positions where he knew it would grow their faith. And can I tell you the truth? That's what he's going to do with us. God wants us to get up every day. And I know you have a lot of questions. You know, Lord, why was my childhood like this? Lord, why did this happen to my family member? Lord, why did this happen last year? Why did this happen last week? And God just is trying to get us to flex that faith. And just say, I trust you. I I trust you. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Jesus, Lord, we... We come to you, Lord, and Lord, we know that you're in the midst of everything that we go through, Lord. You love us with an everlasting love. Lord, you've called us all with a purpose and a plan. Lord, you're strengthening our faith so we can strengthen others, Lord. Lord, we can trust you through everything, through a crazy world. Crazy things all around us, Lord. Um, We've got a rock. We've got a shelter. We've got a refuge, Lord. When the storms are above us, you've designed it that we don't fear. Lord, you've designed it that when we know you and we truly love you and we truly have grown in our faith, that you just speak peace. You speak peace over every circumstance. And Lord, that's what I pray today, Lord God, that we would learn to hear your voice. Still, small voice that just says, peace, hush. Lord, and the storm just goes away. Peace that passes our understanding, our strength, our knowledge. Anything that we can say or do, Lord God. It's You said, uh, peace I give you, not like the world gives, Lord. And I pray that over your people. And uh, church, before we do communion, I just want to have a time of prayer.
Uh, maybe you're going through something in your life and you just haven't been able to give it to the Lord. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's health, maybe it's relationships. Um, I don't know what it is, but it lingers and, it, and you lay up at night worrying about it. You have anxiety, fear, and I just want to welcome you to this altar today. Not to see me, not to be prayed for by me, but just the Lord. The Lord will speak over your life and he'll say, hush. You say, is it going to happen the way I want it to happen? I can't promise that, but it will happen the way he wants it to happen. That's what he promises. His ways are higher than our ways. We can trust him. Let me put it this way. If we were in charge, it would be a mess. (laughs) We don't have the ability to make the decisions that he makes in every person's life, and we can't do what God does. And so life is just about saying, God, you're sovereign. You're over everything. I'm not going to be mad anymore. I'm not going to be bitter anymore. I'm not going to be unforgiving anymore. I'm just going to lay it down before your cross. And that's what I want to encourage you today. I don't want to beg you, but if you've got something that you need to lay down, just lay it down. We'll take a time of prayer. If you want to stay at your seat, you can stay at your seat. But we're just going to bring it to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, right now we bring it to you. We lay it all down. We weren't meant to carry it. We weren't meant to go through it. We weren't meant to control it. Lord, we were meant to trust you. That's our purpose in life is to trust you and love you through it all, Lord. To hold on to your hand and strengthen our grip and never let go. And that's what we're going to do today, Lord. In your name we pray. Find a place to pray this morning. Hallelujah. the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Hallelujah. How many know this is all of those uh, who have trusted in the Lord? And uh, we're going to go through a lot of trials in life, but I would much rather have Jesus on the boat with me. (laughs) Hallelujah. I would rather have the one on the boat with me who can say, shh. Hallelujah. If you would, just uh, make your way to the front here. You can serve yourself this morning. Hallelujah. And when everybody is served, we will uh, take communion together. Hallelujah. every week with the body of Christ. Uh, Every relieving church in the world uh, does this together on the Lord's Day. Hallelujah. That's a blessing. And uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord, which I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night, was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which I do in remembrance for you doing this in remembrance of me I want a special scripture here for the body um, God has called us uh, to encourage one another to cheer whenever um, there's something uh, that we've done well cheer together, laugh together, cry together, bear one of those burdens. And as the scripture says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame will not consume you. Hallelujah. We trust in the Lord through everything. And I would just encourage the body really um, be aware and sensitive 
uh, when people are going through things in the body. Hallelujah. Let's just pray that God gives us that sensitivity to one another. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this body, Lord. Uh, your body and the body of Christ, Lord God, that's one and the same, Lord. And uh, we pray that you bless this body, you encourage them. Father, let them know that you're with them. No matter what they go through, Lord God. Lord, you're going to bring them through it, Lord. You promise, Lord God, that you will bring us through it, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is my is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. How many know that the Lord sent his disciple uh, to gather the provisions that he already provided? To go gather them together, and all of them are there waiting for you. How many know that the Lord has made provisions for you, for your failures, for your shortcomings, for all the things that we're worried about? He didn't just forgive us, he justified us as if we never sinned. Hallelujah, that's bigger. Uh, That means we can never be found guilty. Hallelujah. So how many know that the Lord made provision for you to succeed no matter what? No matter what you go through, we win because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness, your love, your care, your concern. Lord, your sovereignty over us. Lord, that you've made a way, Lord God, that nobody can take away, Lord. You've forgiven us, you've loved us, you've justified us. Lord, you've called us your sons and your daughters. And we love you today, Lord. We remember you and we thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Bless your people. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're blessed. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and just bless your people. Lord, I pray that you would brighten their day, Lord God. You would lift them up. You would strengthen them, Lord God. You would encourage them. And uh, Lord, you would just uh, be like a father to each person, like a dad, Lord, uh, that we can trust. And uh, we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Everybody said, Amen.